Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild. And, and Kevin, uh, you and I were just talking about before we got on the show, not, not a good week for the Minnesota Wild organization. It was good news for people that like bad news. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're looking for some negative things going on, you got plenty to talk about this week. And you I, you know, I feel, right yes, absolutely. I want to say I, I, I feel partially responsible for what went on for the Iowa Wild. I, if you're, a, if you're a, a superstitious person, you and I had opened up since they started the, the, the winning streak with, or the point streak that they were on by only talking about them. But I threw in the Heartlanders getting a road victory to start out, and I, I think I might have cursed them. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blame myself. If, if we're superstitious, I, I'm at fault. But so we'll, we'll start with the Heartlanders then. <laughs> exactly. We'll start with the Heartlanders, Kevin, who welcome Indy to town on Wednesday, uh, get beat town a little bit 4-1, to one, but then have another road victory. So three out of four games, they wind up winning on the road with a nice 4-2 victory in Indianapolis. Tough game on Saturday in Toledo. The Walleye are a very good team out there, so not surprised they had a little bit of a trouble with that one. But you come away 1-2 and two, uh, for a team that has struggled for much of the season. You know, you're looking for those small victories, and another road win you got to feel pretty good about. No doubt about it, Dan. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the story that came out of this weekend, the road trip. As the team was heading to Indianapolis, the team bus broke down, and players started walking into a small town called Waynetown. And, uh, like, the local police were noticing that these guys were walking into town. Before you know it, they're all getting rides into town, and they end up at, like, a pizza place in Waynetown. Had pizza, had lunch, got to meet you know, all the locals, and the bus got fixed. But they had to get all the guys back to the bus, so they used a fire truck, and all the guys loaded up onto the fire truck and got a ride back to the team bus. So from there, they went to Indianapolis and got a win. So it will end up being a pretty good bonding activity. What I have proposed on their Facebook page and on their, um, their, their fan page is that, you know, you know me, Rob, there's always, a, there's always something you can do a promotion about. <laughs> yeah, there's a way to, if there's a way to make money, it's just something you do. And my idea is the Heartlanders ought to have Wayne Town night where they wear special jerseys with Wayne Town on the front and do like the Heartlanders logo on the shoulder. Auction off the jerseys after the game and have the money go to the Wayne Town Fire and Police Department. I think that's a great idea. I think they should definitely should do that to show their appreciation. I think, you know, they could also work it out too, Kevin, for take a Heartlander to the game promotion. Or you get to drive our Iowa Heartlander player out to the game to make sure they, quote, unquote, get there on time. So I think that'd be kind of a fun promotion for them out there. So that's a great story, though. Well, I thought you know, it was pretty it cool. They, they, they brought a youth hockey player from Wayne Town to the game in Indianapolis. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty neat thing for that young man to get to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's some he'll be remembering for the rest of his life. So you got to touch a kid in the right way. That's pretty cool. So, well, that was a big victory, though, on, on Friday night there in Indy, too, because uh, they jump out to a 2 nothing lead there in the first inning. Uh, the Fuel get a goal on Cameron Hillis's, um, set, uh, his, he cuts the deficit in half. That's what I'm trying to get out at 10-16 in the second period. But a power play goal by James Sanchez on a fantastic setup play by uh, Tanner McMaster to, to set him up for that goal. Um, makes it 3-1. to one. Carson Rose cuts the deficit in, down to one again. But insurance goal by Zach White. And this club comes away with a 4-2 to victory. Nice performance in net for the club out there too, Kevin. Uh, you know, kind of working out this goaltender situation, and Hanson comes up big for him, looked look very sharp in the contest for them. Yes, you know, and we're kind of wondering why they traded for a goaltender, but um, Hanson showed, um, showed what he's made of. And I didn't realize this because he didn't really go up through the Minnesota system, but he is actually a Minnesota kid. I, would, I did not know that, so that thought that was – a uh, pretty nice tie-in to a team that's, uh, shall we say, now loosely associated with the Minnesota Wild. On uh, Again, on, on Sunday, kind of a tough day for them. 6 nothing loss to Toledo. Uh, uh, Toledo's red hot right now, 5-0-1 in their last six games. A, a team battling to try to improve their playoff position. And, you know, one of the best teams in the ECHL last season. So, that, you know, not, you, you don't hang your head low when you unfortunately lose to a team like that because it's very cl- cl- a quality Toledo Walleye Club. That leaves the Heartlander, though, Kevin. Uh, 10-25-10. and 10, They are still sitting in seventh place. Nine points behind Kalamazoo for the final spot there in the division race. This week, though, uh, big games as Wheeling comes back to town. For two, uh, for three, excuse me, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a team that they went out and broke that losing streak against, uh, road losing streak against a couple weeks ago. You got to feel that Wheeling is going to come here with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And, and you're the Heartlanders. I, I think if you sustain those first eight, nine minutes of that opening night on Friday and say, hey, you're, you know, you, you didn't come here to win games. We're here to battle. I think you could, you know, get this Wheeling team off their game and, and maybe come away with three, four points this weekend. And with as much success as they had in Wheeling, I'm sure right, that the Heartlanders will also come into the contest um, riding a bit of confidence, too. So it should be an interesting weekend at Extreme Arena. So very exciting week. And then the team is on a, a long uh, home stretch here. So I believe we're at, what, two, four, seven games here that they have here in a row. So um, fantastic opportunity for the team to put together uh, a, a nice run, you know, seven games in a row at home. Normally we'd look at that and think, well, you got to win at least five of those games. I think for this club, a, a good mark would be to make away nine points out of seven games. Is that a good number to shoot for? Well, I don't think you settle for it, but I don't think you're all that disappointed if that's how it comes about. Well, we will briefly move up to the uh, AHL team of the Iowa Wild saw their 14-game um, 14 14 point streak come to an end on Friday as they had a, a very tough day in Chicago, losing 5 nothing. Then the teams traveled to Des Moines on Saturday. Great game for Adam Beckman, who comes up with a hat trick. I believe it's first, if I remember correctly, uh, as a AHL player. But uh, unfortunately, lose that game 6-5 to five as well. And tough, tough weekend for the goaltenders and uh, Kick your cap to Chicago, the the team that really should not have been able to beat 
Iowa is there down there in the bottom of the division, but they proved that this central division is no joke no matter who you're playing. It was a pretty, you know, I was at the Minnesota game on Saturday night, and I'm following along. And, you know, I'm feeling pretty good after the first period when I'm pulling up the box score here. You know, they're up 4-1, to one. you're thinking, all right, well, it looks like they woke up from last night, and it's going to be... Um, Gonna be a good revenge win, but boy, the Moles came at them strong in the second period. Outshot them eighteen to seven and scored four and completely turned the game around. So, yeah, yeah, and all the point streak was gonna last forever. Now it's just a matter of let's make sure that that point streak um, doesn't work in the other direction where they go on a pointless streak for a while here. So. Key for Iowa just to get right back on the horse. And you know in that tight division, too, as they were riding that point streak, they had got up to all the way to second place at one time, and now you lose two games and you're down to fifth again. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, how quickly you can swing to three spots in the standings. But, but you know, you're making the most important part about this whole, Kevin, this whole thing, Kevin, is – you don't want to let this two-game loss wind up being four in a row or five in a row or where you're, you're you know, going 0-4-2 over six games or something like that. So this is, hey, we had a bad weekend. Now we need to pick up and start moving forward here again. That definitely has to be the mentality going into these upcoming games. Well, they travel to Manitoba, Kevin, for two games on Wednesday and Friday, then a Sunday affair back home against Rockford. Every one of these games is obviously pivotal because you're talking about within the division, both Rockford and Manitoba directly ahead of them in the standings. Manitoba has been a, a team that you know, actually both these clubs have been those kind of back and forth series during the season. You know, one of the teams never really seems to have much of an advantage on the other. Uh, Iowa has had the better of the play against Rockford for the first part of the season, at least. Rockford had a little bit of revenge a couple weeks ago, but. You you know, look at this and you think, man, th this could be a great weekend for the team or it could be kind of a mediocre one because you just th – these teams are so competitive and so tough against one another. You're just not really sure what you're going to come out of with each each game. Yeah, it's so nice that they are up there on Wednesday night and then they get a day off before they play on Friday so they get to enjoy Winnipeg in February on the Thursday night. But – you know, two big games. And, you know, Manitoba's a tough team, but it just seems like I was played pretty well up there in the past. I get it, you know, the different year, different guys. But I think it'd just be key for them to at least get one out of two, and then you got the next three at home, and then that's when you can really feel like you're going to get back on track again. Volstead had his toughest game of the season on Saturday. What, what, he'll probably get two starts this week. What do you look for him as a rebound opportunity here? He seems to be pretty unflappable, so I'm sure he'll. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the game on Saturday, so I don't know how many of the goals were truly his fault or if he was left to hung out or dry. But if there were any soft goals, I'm sure they'll take a look at the video, figure out um, what adjustments to make, if any. And I think he'll be right back to himself this weekend. Or during the week, I should say. Iowa Wild currently twenty-two, sixteen, and nine. As Kevin said, fifty-three points 
technically tied for fourth, but uh, Manitoba has two more victories, so they're the fourth place team. Manitoba 24, 15, and 5, also with 52 points, and Rockford one point ahead of them, 23, 16, and 8. Man, on any night, uh, you can go from third to fifth, just one game you know, in, in the standings that, that quickly. So it's exciting action every single night there in, in the AHL for the Iowa Wild, for sure. Well, let's move and on to the big you club, know, Kevin. For these players oh, too, that, you know, I think it's good for these players' development, too, that when you're playing meaningful games every night where you know that you're going to have to be focused on the task at hand, you can't just um, – mail it in, you know, and you're trying to impress the brass with the big club. So I just think it's, um, this is, this is a good situation. You know, all the, all the players I'm sure are all in right now because they know every game, every night could be the difference between, um, being in second and being in fifth. So I just think it's good for the players in general. And, you know, as we're going to talk about the big club, we don't know what the big club's going to look like come trade deadline. It could be a situation where you could see an Adam Beckman, you could see a Nick Swain, you could see a see a Sammy Walker get another look with the big club again. So I think that these guys, they're focused on team goals for sure, but I'm sure also in the back of their mind they're thinking, hey, I want to be playing good come March where I'm going to maybe be in the big club's plans down the stretch. Yeah, you know, and and I, your ultimate goal is to be making it up to the big club, and the big club's ultimate goal is for players to be competing for a championship. And so, you know, Coach Army said a, a couple of weeks ago when we were there uh, for that Rockford game that the, these games after January first, you know, every game matter. I mean, this is when all of a sudden things start to matter even more. I mean, and he wasn't diminishing the you know, the first few months of the season. But but honestly saying is everybody kind of recognizes where, you know, these games seem to have a greater importance because everybody understands you only have a few months at this point to start making a, a serious run toward the playoffs. And you want your guys at this level to be with that mentality so that when they do get up to the, the NHL, they're approaching this like, hey, I want to be playing big, meaningful games in January, February, and March in the NHL, hopefully helping my team win championships. So, um, th- this is a great opportunity for all of these guys out there. It's unfortunate that the team down in, in for the Heartlanders is not playing those kind of meaningful games, but they're still getting experience of playing against teams that are playing for those kind of games. And they wanted, if, if you're looking, I guess, for the silver lining out of that, Kevin, that you're playing against a team to have an opportunity to slow their opportunity to make a playoff chance, you feel like you're still playing some kind of meaningful game. I mean, if, would that be true, I guess? Well, I think what you, uh, on top of that, what you're looking at is we're talking about guys that could get the call to Minnesota from Iowa. Well, that opens up roster spots, and that's where the Heartlanders come in. So as a player, you want to be playing good hockey so that if Tim Army calls down to the Heartlanders and say, okay, who do you got that's playing well that can can step in and be a contributor up here, you hope it's going to be your name being called. That's a very good point. Well, let's talk about the big club now, Kevin. Uh, they also had a very tough week, losing both games on the road to start out 3-2 to two in Arizona on Monday, 4-1 to one in Dallas on Wednesday. Then Van, uh, Vegas comes to town. They win 5-1. to one. The Wild looked like they were going to go on 0-4 this week, but come out with a shootout victory against New Jersey on Saturday, winning 3-2. to two. 
your overall thoughts on that week, Kevin? Well, the first game, both games are usually toss-ups because both teams are coming off a break, and usually you give the nod to the home team on that one. So I, I personally, I gave them a pass on it, though. It was disappointing to go to the last-place team in Arizona and not come out of there with a win. Um, Wednesday night against Dallas, boy, uh, it just sounded like uh, Minnesota just could not put a good game out there. Just too many defensive breakdowns that left Mark Andre Fleury. Or I'm sorry, I Phil Gustafson played that game and didn't sound like he had a chance on most of the goals. Thursday night back in Minnesota, you know, it was a everyone's got to go through it in the NHL at some point or another during the season. But you had. Vegas sitting in St. Paul waiting for the Wild, who had played in Dallas and then flew back to Minnesota and was playing on a back-to-back. And from what I saw, Vegas Vegas took over the game in the second period, dominated and went away. And it just seemed like that kind of a loss on your home ice, it just seemed like that's when you hope it's a bottoming out point where it's like, okay, we've hit the bottom here, now it's time to come back up. and. I think we saw a bit of that on Saturday night as they managed to get the shootout victory against a very good Devils team. Granted, they were missing Jack Hughes, but the Wild were much better on defense against the Devils than they had been. Philip Gustafson was very good in goal. And it was there's still trouble with the Wild scoring 5-on-5. Five five. They only had one 5-on-5 five five goal, and that was a... Matt Dumba slap shot that banked off Matt Hartman out front and into the net to tie the game. So the shootout, uh, Freddie Gaudreau does his magic again to win the game. So it was a big game for Minnesota, and as we're watching right now, they're scoreless with Florida in the first period, though so I'll get out shot badly 14-3, but hanging in there with another good team from the East. But... I think the rest of this homestand for Minnesota, there's five games left in it, and then a few more games before the trade deadline is going to tell General Manager Bill Guerin what exactly is going to have to happen at the trade deadline, if he's going to be a be a mover or try to get maybe that guy on a rental deal for the rest of the season to try to make a little bit of a boost for the playoffs. So it's going to be a, be a telling time in the next couple of weeks for this hockey team. Well, you know what I think makes that situation even more interesting, Kevin, it is the teams they're facing over the next two weeks. So you got Florida tonight, then Colorado comes to town on Wednesday, then Dallas on Friday, Nashville on Sunday, the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday. Every one of those teams is a playoff team. You know, yeah, show me where so an like, there. <laughs> yeah, so, so if, if you have a tough five games at home against these clubs, let's say you even go 0-4-1. I'm not, I'm not, let's say that's the worst-case scenario you're looking at, okay? I mean, you've got to be looking at it and thinking, well, maybe we're really not a, a team that's going to win a championship, and, and we shouldn't be getting into the market here because we can't even beat any of these teams that we're going to be facing if, it, if we're in playoff time. And so I, I, I think you get a real sense of what evaluating a team by the competition you're going to be facing in the next two weeks. If it's a dud the rest of the homestand, I have to imagine they're probably thinking sell at the, at the trade deadline, but 
a lot of the guys in which their contracts are coming up that you could sell right now don't have a lot of value on the market, like a Matt Dumba, like a Jordan Greenway. They're both immediately having off-seasons. And I think we're seeing that all around the lineup, too. You look at a Marcus Foligno over 20 goals last year. I think he's at maybe four right now. Matt Hartman just got at six last night. He had 30-plus goals last year. So we're seeing a team that a lot of guys had career seasons last year, and that's not being repeated this year. I mean, what do you do with a Sam Steele who went from being a top-line center to – um, two games ago being dropped to the fourth line and was a healthy scratch tonight. I believe it was a one-year contract he's on. Do you look at moving him for a, to get some futures or a, or a, you know, a mid-level player? So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I always say that no matter how your team is doing, there's always something worth following with the team. <laughs> and it's not... It will not be a dull time to be a Wild fan in the next two weeks. Let's just put it like that. I, I think I would be – I didn't want to come across as totally negative. I mean, if you have a sensational stretch over the next five games, you've got to feel like, okay, well, maybe we are a team that needs, you know, to make another move to, to add something here. So I, I, I'm, I, I think the interesting part of the trade part of this, Kevin, is if you're – if the team is losing – and you and you think, okay, well maybe we're not we're not going to make a bunch of moves here because uh, we we just, you know we're not going to be a championship club this year. Let's just say that, okay. So there there are guys as you're pointing out, Jordan Greenway, maybe somebody doesn't want, or Matt Dumba, and and so maybe you're just riding that out for the season. But I'm kind of curious if you're if you are in the thick of things and you're thinking, man, we have a legitimate shot of winning this year. I wonder what this team has to trade to go and get themselves a premium player. It would be interesting to see how they would go about that because um forget the name of the guy, I want to say Scott Wheeler, I could be wrong on that, but he is with the athletic and he does an annual ranking of teams um of team prospects. And right now, this year he he ranks the uh, wild prospects as the number one prospect bunch in the NHL. So if there was a possibility of a major cup run you know, there's some guys in the system right now where they could make a deal and take a. It would definitely be taking a chance, um, giving away a prospect for a guy that could help them immediately. So that's also a possibility if it looks like this team is going to get going in the right direction. But boy, you know that's tough. That would be tough to give up like a first or second round guy for a rental. I mean, we've we've seen that um, not go very well at times. I forget the, the name of the player that Minnesota got from Arizona that it just ended up being a complete flop. I forget the guy's name. That's how much of the impact he had. But they gave up a gave up a first or a second rounder for him, and it just did not work out at all. So. You know, stay tuned, folks. We're definitely going to have plenty to talk about in this show the next few weeks. And, you know, there is some talent down there at that Iowa Wild team, too. I mean, if they were looking to make some moves, a, a club would probably see a, a Marco Rossi, a, a Nick Sweeney. I, I doubt very seriously that they would even consider trading Volstead 
But, you know, if I guess if you got the right deal and you really thought you were going. So, you know, I guess nobody's indispensable. If you really get down to it. But uh, there is some, there's well, some number 97 might be, but other than that. Yeah. Should be exciting. It's been an exciting time, Kevin. Well, it's exciting for the team this week, as we talked about. Uh, so Florida tonight, as Kevin said, 0-0 right now as, as him and I are talking. Colorado on Wednesday, Dallas comes to town on Friday, Nashville comes to town on Sunday. Man, that's just a freaking meat grinder out there. Holy cow. Kevin, your thoughts on those games? Well, good thing is they're all at home, and Minnesota has played well at XL Energy Center, so there is a positive there, and let's hope the, you know, it'll be full houses every night, and you hope that the little home cooking can inspire the club to get have a there's also a pretty good week so colorado also with 60 points so minnesota 28 20 and 4 colorado 28 excuse me 28 20 and 4 i think i said 20 28 20 and 4 colorado 28 19 and 4 uh, both teams have 60 points but colorado's played one less game then dallas 30, 14, and 10, they have the top record in the division. Nashville, 56 points, so four points behind both Minnesota and Colorado at 25, 19, and 6. And in Florida, that they had tonight's uh, game against is 26, 23, and 6. So, man, that's that's a heck of a schedule out there. And um, as you kind of look here, Kevin, coming out of the All-Star break and where not just Minnesota stands at this point, but – Who's a team that you really like in the NHL this season? You know, Boston had that huge winning streak earlier on and it's been great at home. Are they the team you like? Or who, who do you see going all the way right now? Well, I think Boston will definitely be the, the odds-on um, favorite. But, you know, what Jack Hughes has done for the New Jersey Devils has immediately turned them into a, a potential threat to the Bruins in a seven-game series, too. And... You know, Tampa Bay is going to be Tampa Bay. They're not going to be an easy one to get by in the playoffs either. So I'd be interested to see if Toronto makes any moves to try to bolster their lineup um, going into the final stretch of the season, too. In the West, um, you know, I, I'd say it's kind of wide open. If um, any team stands out to me as a team that's just been consistently very good, it's been the Dallas Stars. And, they're only what two years removed from a Stanley Cup Finals run themselves, and um, with much better goaltending this time around with Jake Ottinger. And then after that, um, in the West, it's been uh, boy, throw a dart: um, Calgary, Edmonton, Vegas, Los Angeles. It's going to be. I can see Los Angeles' downfall could be goaltending where. Jonathan Quick's in Twilight of his career, and I don't think um, Phoenix Copley's going to be a guy that's going to carry you to a cup, but Los Angeles is just so strong um, otherwise. But, and, you know, that's uh, another thing with Minnesota, too, that's going to make it tougher for them to get into the playoffs is you've got so many teams playing well in the, in the Pacific Division, whereas, you know, the last three or four years it's been the much weaker of the two Western divisions. So... Yeah, I, Dallas, and then um, maybe you throw Winnipeg in there, and after that, boy, once again, throw a dart and see who you hit. I'm curious, 
in their second season, Seattle has looked very, very good at times. Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. Are, are, are they a legitimate – could they come out of the West? Could you see them being the Stanley Cup representative? No, and I, for the same reason as Los Angeles, I just don't think Phil Grubauer and Martin Jones are a goaltending tandem that's going to help you very much in April and May. Boy, a lot of exciting teams out there. And, and uh, tonight that we're talking about, uh, as we're heading into tonight's game, 60 points right now is, is, is a pretty good mark for, for teams 52 games into the season. And uh, nine teams in the West with that many. I think Kevin told us a couple weeks ago, it's, it's probably going to take 100 points to make a playoff spot in both both league, both East and West. And uh, so every game mattering. Should be exciting action down the stretch here. So, oh, no doubt about it. Well, Kev- well Kevin, as we uh, close out tonight's show, um, have a, is there a uh, uh, a moment in in February that kind of comes out to you in past history, or a big trade deadline thing that that came up, or or just a totally different well, topic you want to cover tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go off the board again and talk about last Saturday night as. The North Stars, re, North Stars. Well, he was with the North Stars. Um, Minnesota Wild celebrated the career of the recently retired Bob Kurtz. Bob Kurtz was a broadcaster for the Wild since the team's inception in 2000, all the way until last year, where he just quietly retired after a game in January against Anaheim. Kurtz was honored before the game on Saturday night. I thought it was really neat. Al Shaver who many of us North Star fans are very familiar with, even sent in a video tribute to Kurtz, who also did North Star's games on TV with his longtime partner, Tom Reed. But, you know, it was Bob Kurtz. He's just so low-key. They He didn't make a speech or anything. They made a presentation on the ice, and he retired up to the broadcast booth and sat in with Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed for the game and came on with Tom Reed during the first intermission. It was just, it was totally Bob Kurtz style, just very low key. And Kurtz was such a pleasure to listen to as I went to so many wild games on my own in the past. I looked forward to those nights because I knew that I could bring the headphones with and I could watch the game live and listen to Bob and Tom at the same time. And for me, it was just, it was hockey bliss. And Joe O'Donnell is doing a great job as a successor to Bob Kurtz. But I, you know, I'm always going to miss the professionalism that Bob Kurtz brought to every broadcast. And I'm glad he was able to retire and then that he's going to get a chance to enjoy it. Well, you know, because of what we do, Kevin, we always have a soft spot for broadcasters out there, and he definitely was one of the best. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining me here this week. My pleasure.